You know, um, I know we are getting through um, the graduation season. We're almost there. There's still a lot of open houses going on, and, and there's still a lot of celebrations taking place, uh, especially if you're in Michigan. They, they're still in school. Um, they're wrapping it up here in maybe another week. Um, we might think like, oh, well, we had graduation two weeks ago. It's still happening. It's still going on. And, and one thing I like about, you know, the opportunity with um, commencements and the open houses, uh, obviously besides the food and all that, uh, which Dave mentioned, pulled pork and cheesy potatoes, nothing beats it, right? Um, but the graduation speeches, I don't know how often some of you actually go to those ceremonies. Some of you are like, I avoid them, I just go to the open house. But for those of us that do go, um, I'm telling you, sometimes some of those speeches are, are pretty incredible. you got to love them. Um, you, you just got to love them. And I know some way, I can be very critical at times um, be, because maybe I'm, up front, and I speak, or I give uh, opportunities to have those speeches myself. So it's easy to be critical, and often I just got to step back and just listen and enjoy. And some of those speeches, you know, it's for those kids, especially that are giving a speech, it's their last shot at their classmates. And some of them are very emotionally packed. Um, some of them are thought out, and they, they've been thinking and just praying, hopefully, about it, and, and they're writing them down and rewriting them. And then there's others. It happens. Ah, oh, I've got 30 minutes, so I've got to give that speech. What am I going to say? It happens, right? So you have the thought-out ones. You have the last-minute ones. Some are, are controversial. Not only some of them are inspiring and encouraging, but some of them are controversial in the sense that they've been told that, listen, you can't mention God, you can't pray, you can't say anything about Jesus Christ in your speech. And then you might have those one or two students who are like, you know what, it's my last shot. What are they going to do? I want, to, I want to share my testimony. I want to tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe Evergreen High School, uh, one of their students who gave their speech, I heard um, pretty much shared the gospel. And they wanted to take that moment. But regardless of who is giving a speech or where or the content of that speech, um, those speeches often revolve around destiny or they revolve around Something that's inspiring, encouraging, looking forward to the future. And when I think about that word, you know, or that thought, it's always, what's your destiny? And I want you to think about this. What, what is destiny? Is it that, is that epic story that's finding greatness in life that seemed at once to be so trivial? Is that what the destiny is? Or is it moving beyond just being good to being something great? Is that destiny? If this was like Hollywood, then the answers to those questions would probably be yes and, and yes. Because that's the way Hollywood makes it, right? And in sports, we would look to the word for destiny and say it's winning championships. It's, it's bringing home the state title. It's, it's having all these awards and, and then setting athletic records. But what if, what if destiny has something to do, to do more with becoming instead of achieving? Because a lot of times we think that's what destiny is. I've got to achieve all these things. But what if that's not what destiny is? What if destiny is all about becoming? What is God developing in you? Where are you changing life? What transformation is going on in your life? But no matter how we define destiny, it's a term we use to encourage those who are standing maybe at the crossroads of life. And what I mean by that is, the crossroads of life describes those who are standing in one spot of life and are not sure which direction to go. They're preparing for a new stage in life and they're not sure if they're 
ready to take that next step or which direction is the next step. It could be that not just that graduate who's standing there saying, I'm not sure, I've got college or I've got junior college or I've, I'm going to go into the workforce, I'm going to go into the, the armed forces, I'm, I'm just going to stay at home and play video games in my mom's basement or something, I don't know. They're all trying to figure it out, right? But it's beyond the graduate. It's the adult who's searching for answers. Answers for my loved one has passed away. What do I do next? I'm, I'm starting a new career. What am I going to do next? It's someone who's entering a new relationship. I'm getting married or somebody leaving a relationship or we're getting divorced. It's where one stands when they're asking that question, which way do I go? It would be so much easier if there was a sign, right? Because we stand there thinking, I'm not sure where I'm going or, or what it's going to be. But what if we had that sign that just pointed and just said, this way, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. Wouldn't it be so nice in life? And isn't that sometimes what we pray for? Hey, God, which way? And he's like, well, duh, look at the sign. Oh, thank you. It's not that easy sometimes, though, is it? Grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. we got some in the back. John chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. There was a similar group of people, and they were gathered around Jesus Christ. And this was, I'm not going to say his graduation speech, but it was his last public words to a group of people besides his disciples. His last public speech. And yet, here's the thing. After he gives this public speech, he's not going to be meeting everybody for an open house few hours later, he's actually going to be seeing all these people again a few days later, but he's going to be on the cross and they're going to be all around. So this is one of his last moments to talk to the public before he gets private with his disciples. In John chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 32 and read through verse 36. John chapter 12, starting in verse 32, we'll read through verse 36. Jesus said this, and when I'm lifted on the cross... I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate he was going to die. And again, let's remember this. Nobody knows this is coming. Verse 34. Die? Asked the crowd. We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. Why are you saying the Son of Man will die? Who is this Son of Man you're talking about? Jesus replied, My light will shine out for you just a little while longer. Walk in it while you can, so you'll not stumble when the darkness falls. If you walk in the darkness, you cannot see where you're going. Verse 36. Believe in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of light. And after saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Now as we're reading through this, before Jesus withdraws to be with his disciples, before he gets away with that private time, those conversations that he's going to have, and those, those last words and those last moments of teaching, even without words, as he's washing their feet, right? He has this speech for all these people, and in this, all the people seem to be confused. They refer to the Messiah as the one who's prophesied to live forever, and they're thinking, you just said you're going to die, and we thought the Messiah was going to live forever, and... Isn't that what the Son of Man is all about? He set up a kingdom, saved the people, reigned forever. And this Jesus who proclaimed to be the Messiah, you're telling us you're going to die? 
and you also call yourself the son of man? It's at this point in time when Jesus is standing before this public crowd and gives us this, this public speech, and it's in a public setting that his compassion for the lost is seen. He looks around and he's realizing, I know I've got my disciples, but I know many of you are going to be jeering at me and, and yelling at me, and some of you will be crying for me, but I want you to know I have a compassion for all of you. Regardless of what you think about me, I have compassion for all of you. And he knows that humanity, basically, at that point in time, is standing at the crossroads of life. Do we listen to Jesus or do we reject Jesus? He saw it then and he knew we would be doing a similar thing in our life. Where we will stand in those crossroads of our life when decisions have to be made, when when troubling times are coming, when challenges are there, when celebration is going on. And we're going to have to make a decision. Follow Jesus, reject Jesus. Which one do I do? So in this passage, Jesus does three things. He gives a challenge, then he gives a warning, and then he gives a promise. So let's begin with the challenge to the crowd. Because this challenge isn't just to that crowd and to his disciples. It's something that we can take in as well and, and be challenged as well. And here's the challenge. The challenge is to walk in the light. It's pretty simple, right? Verse 35, walk in the light. Put your trust in. In the light, verse 36, it said. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you from John chapter 1, verses 4 to 9, and John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, because this isn't the first time Jesus referred to light in himself. John chapter 1, verses 4 to 9, it says this The Word gave life to everything that was created, and has life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. John chapter 3, 19 to 21 says this, And the judgment is based on the fact God's light... Jesus Christ came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than they loved the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light. They refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what's right come to the light so that others can see that what they're doing is what God wants. Jesus has been talked about being the light. John brings it up in the very first chapter and then again chapter 3. John chapter 8 verse 12 and John chapter 9 verse 5 refers to Jesus as also being the light. It's pretty clear who the light is when you read through the book of John. And this image of being the light is nothing new to those who then listened to Jesus. These words were all too familiar. They're getting it. They're saying, Jesus, light. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it, right? But where did some of this come from? Were they starting to connect possibly Jesus talking about being a light with what David said in the Old Testament? Again, had they gone to the temple? Had they listened to those who were opening up the scrolls and reading? Would they have heard these things? Psalm 27, 1. Psalm 36, 9 say this. The Lord is my what? Light and salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? God's our light. 
My light, my salvation. It goes on to say this, first, uh, chapter 36, 9. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. So even going back to Old Testament and coming towards the New Testament, we see that God and his son, Jesus Christ, they're the light. Jesus basically is calling himself the light, equating himself with his heavenly father. As he tells the disciples later in the book of John, he and I are one. Now, here's the thing. I wonder what it means about being in the light, walking in the light, because, you know, what does that that really mean? What does that look like? How does that unfold? In Hebrew, it meant to live, to conduct your life. It was the way you live. So to walk in the light meant to make one's way, to progress forward. You were conducting your manner and going forward in life is to walk in the light. So to put your trust in the light simply means that you are persuaded that this is true. I'll give you an example to help you out here. If you can imagine walking up to a frozen pond and you look at the ice and you're sitting there thinking, I believe that this ice is frozen enough, it's thick enough that I could probably walk on it and walk across the pond. I believe that. Okay? To walk in the light, to truly believe in this, to conduct your manner, your life in this way, would do this. It's not just saying, I believe that that ice is frozen enough to hold me. It would be to actually step onto that ice in the pond and to go ahead and walk across the pond with confidence, believing that that ice is going to hold you. That is how you conduct your life. As we're going back to the Hebrew here, is the way you live. You don't just live by, I believe. You believe and you live it out. You walk it out. And you do that at first maybe with a little shakiness. Like, yeah, that first step might actually be a little tentative, right? You're like, And then nobody, typically the first time they believe, it's like, I believe. Right? It's a little soft and then they move, right? But your faith, as you grow in your faith, your trust becomes stronger, more confident. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you walked in here this morning, you sat down in your chair, before you sat down, you walked up to your chair and you're like, think it might hold me. Yeah, it might. I think I, I, I think it might hold me. I'm going to make a guess and believe that none of you did that. I'm going to assume that all of you, when you came in this morning, you just sat down. Little kids, especially, they're just like, you know, they just plop down. That's how strong their faith is in that chair. As we grow in our faith, as we walk in conduct with Jesus Christ and as we go and are transformed, that's how our faith is. We just believe Jesus is going to do it. We believe that God's going to follow through. We believe that the Holy Spirit's going to just move right through and do what it needs to do. We no longer have to like, I wonder, I wonder. That's part of the transformation that's going on in our lives. So what is this challenge given by Jesus? It's simply for you and I to recognize is that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. He's claimed to be the Son. He's also saying that he's the light. He brings direction. He brings clearness to thinking. He brings life to those who are willing to walk in his direction and trust him on a daily basis. Do you believe that? 
Do you, do you trust him enough to walk in the direction that Jesus is walking? Do you trust him when he's standing there at the edge of that frozen pond and saying, hey, let's go. And you're like, I'm with you. Or do you question that direction that he's leading you? Jesus tells us that his light will shine a little bit longer, that his time is short. And he's reminding us, guess what? Our time is short. I mean, what are we waiting for? While you still can walk in the light. While you still can trust Jesus Christ. None of us are exempt from death. I don't know anybody that's lived forever walking around on this planet right now. I've never met anybody that's like, oh yeah, I've, I've been here since the 1700s. No. We have expiration dates. And Jesus has reminded us that, listen, life is short. You don't know when it's going to end. While you still can, right now, walk in the light. Trust Jesus. But now he doesn't only give us a challenge. Jesus gives us a warning as well. Here's the warning. Don't allow darkness to overtake you. Don't allow darkness to overtake you. Look at verse 35. We read, walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they're going. Okay, now this seems like such a simple statement, right? Those who walk in darkness can't see where they're going. Now let me tell you what the Greek phrase for this is. You ready? Duh. I just thought I'd share that with you. It took me a while to figure that one out. Okay, really, that's not Greek. I just made that up, okay? Some of you are like, really? No. Think about this. Seriously, when it comes to complete darkness, you can't find your way in a room, can you? I mean, when Jesus said this, how simple can that be? Those who walk in darkness can't see where they're going. How true is that? I mean, when you walk into that dark room, whether it's in the middle of the night, in the morning, or at night, you turn off lights you're going to... How many times have you turned off that light and think, oh, I hope I don't stub my toe. I hope I don't run into anything. I hope I don't walk that wall. How many times you hit your head on the cupboard door or you go into the bathroom and somebody left one of the cupboard doors open, no names mentioned, and you bang yourself on that door, right? It happens. Because in the darkness, you can't see where you're going. You don't know what's there. If Jesus is light and we choose to not walk in the light, guess where we're walking? In the darkness, there's two choices, light and dark. There's no dim, there's no shaded area. It's light or it's dark. And we're departing from light, then we're departing from the way of Jesus. And we're now at the mercy of the things in the dark. Think about that. When you choose not to walk with Jesus in the light, you have now basically placed yourself in the opportunity to walk in darkness. And you don't know what's in the darkness. I'm going to tell you what's in the darkness. Usually not good things. The word overtake, if you look in in Scripture again in verse 35, it says it will overtake you. To overtake means to lay hold, to, to make one's own, to obtain, to seize upon, to take a possession. It's referring to evil. It's like a demon that torments a person. It overtakes you and obtains you. So it's pretty clear. When you walk in darkness, you will be overtaken. Every scary movie that's out there is right. You should fear what's in the dark because it's evil. That's why we walk in the light. That's why there, I got to a point in my life where I, I liked watching scary movies. I got to a point, I, I, have a tr- I have a hard time now watching scary movies because I know I'm just watching evil take over people. And my life as a pastor and as a Christian is to help people find light. 
So when I'm watching those dark movies, I have to admit, I, I don't feel comfortable. And we shouldn't, right? Now I want you to think about this. Imagine driving down the road. And as you're driving down this road, um, there, there's a way. And, and God's with us, okay? We're in our vehicle. God's with us. We're driving along. And there's a way in, in which we're going. And it's, it's really good. God's leading us. But at some point in time as we're driving down the road, you sort of see a scenic pull off. And you're thinking, if I take that route, that looks pretty fun. That looks pretty exciting. So you do. You pull off the road. You pull off the direction that you've been going with God. And it's like, God, I'd like to, I want to go this route. So there you go. But as you're driving, all of a sudden, these crazy things just start happening as you take the scenic route. You get a flat tire. You run into a detour. To top it off, you come across a place where there's a log in the road, and you have to get out of your vehicle and sort of roll it out of the way so you can keep going. And then as you keep going, well, then your AC kicks off, and now you've got to roll down the windows and take in the warm air, and it's becoming a little bit more uncomfortable. And you're not paying attention, and then the vehicle in front of you that was there slowed down. You didn't see it, and boom, you sort of run in there, a little fender bender with them. And you keep going again, and you run into construction, and it slows you down. You take a wrong turn. You get lost for a little bit. And finally, you're sitting there going, you start to wonder, like, hey, God, what's going on? I mean, why are all these things happening to me? How about a break? You know, how about nothing breaking down, my car not getting, you know, bumped up, and, and no more construction? This would just be awesome, right? Could it be that God knew exactly where you were going because maybe that road, that scenic route that you decide to take comes to a drop off of a cliff. Maybe a bridge is out. Maybe he knows that if you kept driving, you're going to end up in eternity sooner than what it was planned. Could it be that he placed all those little frustrations in your way to slow you down or to turn you around and get you back on the path that he was riding with you? Maybe that AC not working is that health issue in your life? Maybe the, the, the fender bender is a relationship gone bad. Could it be that all those things that are happening in your life right now are God's little way of saying, you're walking in darkness or you need to go in the direction I'm leading you. Now I understand you can be going in the right direction, walking in the light with Jesus and still have bad things happen to you. I get that. I get that. Regardless of not walking to God or walking with God, we all experience these things. But here's the thing. We have a choice in those moments to keep walking with God. How many times has somebody experienced some bad things in their life? That's it. I'm giving up on this church thing. Instead of continuing to walk in the light. But going back to the illustration, we, we come to those crossroads, and here's the thing. We didn't choose the light. I was in that vehicle with God, right? And I didn't choose the light. I didn't choose this path. I chose my own scenic route. And it wasn't that I chose darkness. I just didn't choose light. I thought this looked pretty good. The problem is when we don't choose the light, the, jar, the darkness, as Jesus said, is it's going to overtake you. Darkness overtakes us. It grabs hold, it seizes us. And maybe we didn't choose it, but once you decide you don't need the light, that you don't need Jesus, darkness seizes. And when darkness seizes, it blinds us. There's a verse I'll put on the screen, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 45. It says this, If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and to obey the commands and decrees he's given you, all these curses will pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. 
If we don't follow Jesus Christ, not only do we remain in darkness, but the darkness in which we find ourselves intensifies. Anyone who walks away from God is away from God because of their own desire and decision. It's reported at the Barna Research Group, and this is a stat I found. It's about 10 years old. I couldn't find an updated stat, but this is what it was 10 years ago. More than 7 out of 10 teenagers engaged in some kind of church-related effort in a typical week. So they went out and they surveyed, and they looked and said, okay, of the typical teenager, how many of them are involved in maybe church or Sunday school or youth group or uh, Youth for Christ, FCA, uh, some, kind of, some kind of religious organization or involvement? About 7 out of 10 teenagers are. Okay. He went on to say this, when asked to estimate the likelihood that they will continue to participate in church once they are living on their own, once they graduate, the levels dip steeply to only about one out of every three teenagers. That was about 10 years ago. These stats have changed, probably gotten a little bit worse. So placed in context, okay, this stands as one of the lowest levels of expectation is for participation among Barna research in over a decade. What that research is saying that when you saw these 12 seniors, two, I think three weeks ago, standing up in front, all of our seniors, just imagine there's 12 of them up here involved in church or youth group or whatever. Just go ahead and just have three of them basically, I'm sorry, four of them remain standing and the other eight gone. That's sad, isn't it? That's the last thing we want to see. We don't want to see one of those 12 disengaging, walking in darkness. We want to see all 12 walking in the light. The sad thing is we don't know that we're missing when we're living in the light. You know, some of us get it and fear keeps us from shining our lights and living in light and we're despised or, or we despise being thought of as being different. I don't want to be different. Everybody's going to make fun of me because of the way I live for Jesus, right? Theologian J.C. Riley said this, And so they go on from year to year, secretly ill at ease and dissatisfied with themselves, knowing too much of religion to be happy in the world and clinging too much to the world to enjoy any religion. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, I don't have time to turn there this morning. I would encourage you. I'll put the scripture there so you can, if you want to write it down. If you go to the book of Jeremiah, you see what when men and women prefer their way as opposed to God, this is the result. The destruction, the pain, the missing out on God's blessings. So Jesus gives us a challenge. He gives us a warning, but now he gives us a promise. And here's the great thing. Out of his grace and mercy, he very simply says, you know what? Um, I I don't want to just leave you sitting there weeping and upset because I just warned you, you know. I want to give you a promise, too. I want to give you a promise. He says this, we'll become sons of light. Now, not in the same sense that Jesus is the light. There's only one true light, and that is Jesus. However... It does mean that we can reflect him and we can become a source of illumination to others for him. And he promises that those who believe and follow will become his children of light. Matthew 
5, 15 to 16, and also in Philippians 2, 14 to 16. I mean, we'll write these down. You can turn there if you want. Let me read to you from Matthew 5. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. I'll think this through, right? Anybody ever light a candle and then put a bowl over top of it? You don't do that, do you? Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is saying, like a lamp with purpose, use your light to help everyone in your house find their way. Be a light to somebody. You know when people are living in darkness. You know when they're taking a bad turn. You can be that light that encourages them, that helps them. And it's not a, hey, I'm better than you thing or I'm holier than thou thing. It's a, I don't want to see you in darkness thing. And a lot of times we're fearful of doing that. Well, I don't want them to judge me thinking that I'm better. Now listen, if you really love somebody and they're walking in darkness, it's time to shed some light on the situation and love them. Philippians 2, 14 to 16 says this, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which, listen, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Paul's saying like a star at night, you shine. You are reflecting him. That's what stars do. You are reflecting the true light. You shine for Jesus. I remember years ago, we had that typical Northwest Ohio storm that zips through and gets all crazy and dark. And and you think, oh boy, this could be something big brewing. We had one of those storms come through. And uh, the tornado, I remember the tornado sirens went off. And uh, of course, that kind of warning, what does it do? It induces a little bit of panic and fear, right? So, we did what most people do, okay? And here's the way it works. Some people head to shelter. They go into the basement. Then there's a group of people that go outside and look to see if it's really worth going to the basement. And then there's a group of people that go to the news and turn it on to see what's going on out there, right? Now, the smart person might just go down in the basement, turn on the news, and see what's going on and take cover, right? So, but in our house, this is the way it worked. The women and the kids took, because we had friends over, took the kids, went to the basement. The men, what did we do? Let's go outside and see if there is a tornado, right? As if we can do something about it. So that's what we do. And I remember that's what we did. Ladies went down, boys went down, we went out and we're looking. And the amazing thing is those winds were strong, okay? And the next morning, I do remember this, there were tree limbs down. A couple roads were blocked. Lake High School took a lot of damage. There was an actual tornado that went through and hit a little bit further east of here. No doubt about the storm had come in our lives and produced a lot of damage and fear, right? But the amazing thing is that night when, when those guys, we went outside, okay? And, and here's the thing. Learn from me, please. Don't, don't go outside. If you're supposed to go to the basement, go to the basement, okay? We went outside and, and we looked, and it was after the, the, storm for the, the storm for the most part had passed. But we looked up. And we could see the stars. I mean, just minutes earlier, the storm was hitting, right? And just seconds later, we're looking up and we're seeing stars. And when I saw those stars, I remember that peaceful feeling I had like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There, there, there is a calming. There is a clearing of the storm. I can see those stars. It was like in the darkness God was shining some light as a reminder 
that it's going to be okay. It gave peace. And I believe that's what happens for us as Christians, that promise that when we walk in the light with Jesus, he says, you'll become children of light. You will be like peace to those who are walking in darkness. And you don't have that peace, but you have it going through me with my spirit. Church, those of us that are standing in the crossroads of life, we get it, right? Decisions to be made. Where am I going? What am I supposed to do? And all these things. And we understand it's not easy. And Jesus never promised it would be easy. Instead, he warned us, listen, there's darkness. I'm warning there's darkness out there. But I'm going to challenge you to trust and walk in the light. And when you do the promises, you'll become children of light. You'll be living for me. Let's put our beliefs into that walk. Let's, let's allow our walk to speak louder than our words, church. Let's not just say, hey, we love you. Let's show people the love of God, right? And we can be the church by being the light to this world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And as they're coming forward, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask this. When we pray, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to, to pray along with me and just ask for God to increase our faith, to trust him, to walk with him. I mean, seriously, have you had enough? I don't know if anybody's ever walked in here. It's like, you know what? I've just had enough God right now. I'm, I'm pretty full. I'm pretty good. Right? You know, when you go into a restaurant, the nice thing about most restaurants, you can ask for a refill and they'll refill your, your drink, right? In some places, you can go back up for a second trip. And when you go to an open house, sometimes you hear, I heard it at, uh, at ours, hey, go get some more. Go help yourself to some more. I like those kind of places, don't you? When they're like, oh, eat some more. Go get a refill. I know it's not the healthiest for some of us, right? But isn't it fun to go back and be able to do that? I believe God invites us to do that at times. He said, hey, you know what? Ask for more. Ask for your faith to be increased. Go ahead. Come back for a refill. Keep digging in. Keep eating. Keep opening up my word. Digest some more. Take some more. And as we do, we're getting filled up, Right? Don't think of yourself filling up with calories. Think of yourself filling up with his light. As the more you're increasing your faith and your intake, the more you're shining for him as you continue to walk with him. But remember the challenge, the warning, and the promise. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word to open, to discover, and and to find direction in life. But Lord, what we find is you. And we find is we can't live without you. And in the crossroads of life, when we're confused in direction and making decisions and choices, I'm thankful that moments like this, when you remind us, that that is a challenge. But we've got to walk in the light. Because darkness can overtake us. And when when we walk in the light... You work through us. Your spirit shines through us. And we're able to do as you created us to do, as your masterpieces, to do the good works that you've asked us to do. God, help us to shine for you. Help us to shine for you. Lord, secure us and help us to walk with you as well. Lord, we love you. We want to sing to you this morning with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, all of our strength. In thy name we pray, amen.